Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Christine Hansen. Christine is an award-winning business coach and consultant for online entrepreneurs who want to build profitable businesses on their own terms. She is well known for her, her talents from the trenches, tell it like it is strategies and an almost uncanny ability to help people f- through their blind spots. Christine's work has been featured in Entrepreneur, Forbes, Business Insider, Vogue, National Geographic and more. So welcome onto the show, Christine. Hello, James. I'm so glad to be here. It's my pleasure to have you on. So if we we touch on obviously the the the, the first one of 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 the things that you have been featured in, obviously it's a, it's a plethora and a very different audience, very different uh, style in which obviously he's going to obviously National Geographic is very different to say Vogue. <laughs> yes. So these have gone back. I mean, these are all things that I've done as an entrepreneur. But um, if you look at my journey, the first, well, the very first company was a baby sleep consultant. From there, I went into an adult sleep consultant, which was my company, Sleep Like a Boss, which I sold this year. And sleep is kind of a no-brainer to wiggle yourself into a lot of different domains. So I loved the plethora of different outlets that I was able to talk to, you know, so mm-hmm. because you had Vogue, everyone's doing sleep. So it was the beauty side of it. National Geographic interviewed me on the same topic, kind of picking my brain on what kind of apps I would recommend in terms of their travelers with jet lag and so forth. So it was wonderful to have all these connections and it taught me a lot about PR, things that I still use today. So I'm curious, why why have you stepped away from the, I'll call it an industry, the sleep industry? Yeah, so it's usually when you talk to people and they start a business, it's because they want to help others. And it's not that I don't want to help others, but... Uh, I have never had the typical hero's journey with sleep in terms of, yeah, I was an insomniac and then I found the magical solution and I wanted to share with the world. I love sleep. I've always been a good sleeper. For me, sleep was very calculated in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, Baby sleep consulting was because the first one that I did was because I knew that it wasn't used anywhere here in Luxembourg where I'm from. And even in Europe, it's not a concept that's that broadly known um but turns out i really don't like babies apart from my own so that's why i stopped with that but during that year i really saw how people reacted when i said sleep and i noticed there's a huge huge industry huge market at that time ariana huffington was publishing the sleep revolution so she had a huge pr train And I just hopped on it because everyone was talking about sleep. Everyone wanted to interview sleep experts. And at that time, there weren't that many. So it was really a great, great timing. And I also knew what I didn't know. So I knew there were gaps that I then took it upon myself to do diplomas, certifications, to cobble all the information together. And from that, I developed my method. And then I had a couple of years where I actively worked as a sleep consultant for adults myself, but it really, I really noticed that I prefer building the business rather than working with clients in a health subject kind of area. So the next step for me was though, I didn't want to have the company just, you know, just say, okay, I'm going to stop and do something else because the method is awesome. It's really something unique in the world. It works. And I was just like, okay, this is too good. So the next step for me was to see if I could transmit it. And that's when I built my team. So we had a mentorship retreat in Bali for eight new team members, but I trained them in the method. So it was kind of a franchise. And I did that for a year. And then I decided, okay, actually, while I did that, I was building or starting to really tap into what I do now, which is online business building, which is what I love doing. 
and really testing, is this what I want to do in the future? And turns out I really do. I always preferred building the business side rather than necessarily working in it. So I decided, okay, I actually don't enjoy having to deal with the health world, specifically because it is changing all the time. You have to be on top of everything. And so one of my team members is just awesome. And so she took over as the CEO and I decided to really focus on what I like to do, which is really helping others to build their businesses. So that is how that transition happened. That's quite interesting that you say that, Christine. In terms of like personality then, and like a trait, would you say you're more of a... Um... data-driven logical person and i can't i can't remember the, 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 the definition of it because obviously no i honestly don't think at all and i had to laugh because yesterday i had an interview and uh, i had this guy asking me so christine what data points do you look at when you create content and i'm the least data-driven person in the world uh, i really go with my gut feeling and with hunches i don't ignore data obviously but I think I am quite good at noticing when there's an opportunity or when there's a gap or when there's something where I'm like, mm, this is not catered for you. And yet people, when you tell people that it's there, they will be like, oh, it's the thing I never knew I needed, you know? So um, that is something that I enjoy, which is kind of a talent and a curse because it makes me change my opinion or have new projects all the time. So I'm definitely not linear at all, um, much more organic. And I go with my hunches a lot of the time. Well, that's uh, the, the, this was not interesting, but in terms of the person being very, what would be the word I want to use? Using an assumption that because you, you're, you're, you're cultivating and creating something from the very beginning, you're going to look at numbers and uh, look at what, what it sends is a trend um, to, to, to obviously make things off the back end of that. And, and sometimes that obviously works, sometimes it doesn't. But what I hear you saying is obviously you do it the, nat the natural way and you probably listen to your your clientele, your, your audience and give them what they want to do. Because obviously numbers can be misleading and uh, somebody could stumble upon your say visual content youtube tiktok instagram by accident and that could yeah, skew anything exactly and i think it's also reverse engineering it a little bit so you know you have people who look at the numbers first and then they find that point of interest and you have people who find that point of interest and then they look either for the numbers or for the opportunities you know where can i actually and sometimes it's coincidence or coincidence serendipity you know like I had no clue that Ariana Huffington was going to publish well it's not entirely true once I decided I wanted to change I realized so it was just a few months before six months before I wanted to launch my Ariana Huffington had her TEDx talk her TED talk and there they announced that she would publish her book in the February so that's how I pinpointed my date. But it was more of a, oh, if this is going to happen, it would be smart, you know, to obviously take this opportunity and, you know, take it and piggyback on it. So I think it's also sometimes about once you have a focal point to become aware of what is actually around you that you can grasp and those collaborations or those synergies can really propel your business into a different sphere so quickly. Well, the, the the aspect that you talk about sleep, I I've gone away and, and done my homework on it. And uh, the in this country, they did a study on obviously what was it's come back to data a little bit of you know how many people were putting in the key search about you know how do I improve my sleep? How yeah, I, it's because of the pandemic. Hugely popular. And it was it was. Yeah. I can't remember the, 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 the statistics offhand of, I think it was at least one in five Brits were, were yeah. looking to do to improve their sleep in 2021. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge, huge topic. I mean, also during the pandemic, a lot of people had upset sleep cycles and so forth. You know, there's, it's always a hot topic, I feel. And it's because it's also a quite young topic, scientifically speaking. Sleep medicine is still quite new uh, if you look at medical history. So there's always new data coming out. There's always new trends coming out. So there's always new gadget now coming out with technology, really digging their heels into it as well. So it's an interesting field for sure. But you do have to stay on top of it. Well, like that's, that's probably because people think they, they neglect it. It's like, oh, it's... it's, 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 it's I feel... Yeah, I always said, I feel there's two camps, you know, you can either become what Ariana Huffington calls herself a sleep evangelist, where she spreads the message of how important sleep is. And I never went for that because I was like, I cannot be bothered to convince people. I really catered for the market of people who already knew because they weren't getting any. They knew that their life was an absolute hell because they couldn't sleep. They wanted to, but they couldn't. And still, you know, there's still people who want to sleep, but they can't. So that's what Sleep Like a Boss was built for. And then I have, for example, a past client of mine. He's a sleep consultant as well, but he's more of a biohacker who is more for people who want to perfect their sleep. Where I was like, that's not what we do, but... I would send him clients of hours and then I worked with him as a business coach, you know, tailoring his to his audience because it wasn't even competition because it was such a different audience. But in general, I really like to, you know, whenever you build something to say cater to those that you feel called to help, you know, don't ever try to convince someone that's not a sexy point to start off with. Well, it, the, the difficulty with that is you back somebody into a corner. There's there's two, probably multiple. There's probably more than two ways in which they're going to respond. Obviously, very negatively, and (laughs) the alternative is, you know, somebody's going to come out swinging. It's, it's, yeah, I don't like what the position that you've put me in, be it physically, if it was in person, if it was digitally. I don't like the 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 corner you've backed into me. Mm -hmm. I feel threatened. Yeah. I'm going to respond uh, from a primal perspective. I'm going to... Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Primal traits. So you you, you mentioned that obviously you've transferred obviously to the the beginnings of business and I've been entrepreneurs at the the very beginning. Why specifically the the, the front end of a business for you specifically? What do you what, mean exactly? What, what what what's so attractive or, or or lucrative in your eyes to start at that particular point of the journey? You mean why I started with Sleep Like a Boss, or no, no, as in what you're doing presently? What I do now, why I enjoy this? I think it's. I never knew that I enjoyed this, you know, like where I come from a very traditional family and very academically driven. And I mean, I have a master's in English literature. No, I have a bachelor's in English literature and my master's is actually in English children's literature. Talk about a Mickey Mouse degree, right? It's like (laughs) ridiculous, but yes, I do have my master's in that. And then I went back home into Luxembourg to teach. So I never knew anything about the digital marketing world or about entrepreneurship. And even an interesting fun fact that I feel is really necessary to talk about or to mention is that in Luxembourg, um, so we have our own language, Lutzeboyer, and it's kind of a mix. It sounds a little bit like German, but it has French in there as well. And it's, it's a very kind of old language in terms of that it stopped developing at some point. So we don't have words for everything. And all we have different words. So an entrepreneur in Luxembourg is what we would, in English, we talk about someone who has a company, a building company, someone who, you know, has the trucks with the cement trucks and things like that. That's an entrepreneur. So if you talk to someone in Luxembourg entrepreneur, they will give you five companies who are all doing those building things. They will not think about an Elon Musk. They will not think about a Bezos or they will not think about a small business owners. And even though I studied English, Shakespeare didn't talk about entrepreneurship or mindset. Neither did Winnie the Pooh, by the way. 
Um, so I honestly didn't know. It was a whole world that I had no idea about. And then when I decided actually to become an entrepreneur, it was through a sales page. I have to laugh now because now I can take it apart and tell you all the copy bits about it. But at the time I was sold like completely. And the sales page worked so well because they painted the picture of being a solopreneur, you know, being an entrepreneur, etc. So when I had taken that decision, I went to Skillshare and I think it was for sewing clothes at the time, it had nothing to do with entrepreneurship. But then I was curious and I looked into entrepreneurship and the first class was a free class by Seth Godin, marketing guru. And, uh, and I watched it and I was like, I love all of this. And what it basically was, was a marketing class. And I started to investigate more and more. And this whole online world, digital marketing world opened. And, you know, at the time it was heavily, heavily influenced by, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk was just out, you know, he was still super hectic and crazy at the time. And it was not, you know, he was not as wise as he is now. It was very, you know, John Lee Dumas was everywhere, Entrepreneur on Fire. It was very masculine. It was very strategical. And I really enjoyed it. And I really, really loved all of it. So I dove into copywriting, into, you know, the whole funnel things, evergreens, webinars. And I loved all of it. And that is how I built my business, you know, learning all these things. Um, and I really enjoyed, I still enjoy that, even though I have a different lens now, because obviously I tried a lot of things. And after a while, you learn what is persuasive copywriting. And then you're like, oh, I've been totally sold that way, you know. So now I see it with more wisdom and a little bit of a more objectivity. But it's what I love teaching other people. It's what I love showing them. And when I work with someone I love to take all that repertoire, so to say, of what I've learned over the last year, look at the person in front of me and really pick and choose what I think really works for them. Because sometimes the blueprint works for 90% of people, but not for the person that I have in front of me. It's just never going to work. And there's a difference between stepping out of your comfort zone and no, this is never going to fit. Like this is just 20 th sizes wrong. It's too long, too short. You know, it's just, this is, we can't do magic. So that is really why I decided, okay, one of the most important lessons I ever learned is that if you work in something that you don't enjoy and it drains your energy, I just never want to do that again. And that was when I had client calls with Sleep Like a Boss. I was like, even though my clients were always wonderful, I was like, I don't feel like it. Whereas when I was, ooh, uh, I have a friend who wants to learn more about business or we had a mastermind for a year and those calls were coming up. I was really excited because I knew they would ask questions and I immediately was able to tell them so much about it or tell them this, this might work, but for you, not necessarily, it's what lights me up. So that is how I decided that this is what I want to focus on. Not saying that it's going to stay that way. I'm very multi-passionate in many ways. So it might very well be that in five years, I'm doing something completely different again. So what's your take then personally on imposter syndrome? By the sound of it, obviously, that, that's not an issue for you. It comes and goes. I honestly think there's nobody who never has imposter syndrome. But I do think as you become more self-aware and as you do personal development, you become more aware of when it kicks in. And sometimes I feel you just catch yourself and you're like, oh, this is bullshit after a while in the beginning you probably have a coach or someone who's going to tell you listen this is actually the truth this is what you are interpreting after a while you can do that better on your own but sometimes it's also a sign that something is not working the way it should so I think sometimes it's also warranted in terms of yes you are there's something missing or yes there's something not working the way it is so I always feel that when I have a bout of imposter syndrome First, I wallow in self-pity for a couple of days and then being very much aware that that is what I'm doing, but I allow myself to do that. And then I decide, okay, hey, take a hard look. Like, what have you been doing? Is it actually as bad as you think it is? Or is it time that we pivot somewhere and that we, you know, 
re-strategize or do we actually have to get going and work a little bit more? Because I'm a very lazy person. I don't like to work too much. So, you know, so that's also something. Um, so I think that is the why imposter syndrome can sometimes be legitimate. I don't always want to say that it doesn't exist. Imposter syndrome is always just in your head. I don't think it is. I think it is 80% of the time. But 20% of the time, it's actually, okay, actually give yourself a kick in the butt and just get moving. Why do you believe then, because obviously you, you all work with more entrepreneurs than I probably come across. Why do you, do you think it rears its ugly head? Not specifically in that marketplace, but with them specifically, because obviously it's mm. you said in Luxembourg, obviously it's not, it's not a established word. It's, I, yes. I, I, I obviously you never taught that in school it's it's exactly. a job no I think it is because traditionally especially in Europe I think we have a big difference between and I had this discussion a lot with the people from the US where you have the American dream versus Europe it's I mean both of our countries are, you have a monarchy, we have a dynasty, you know, everything was first, either you were lucky and you were born to royalty or you weren't. Then you had people coming up who were actually entrepreneurs, but then it was academics, you know, who were the top. So now I think we're in a cross point, but our generation, I would say is still, so 25, no, I'm kidding, <laughs> not quite, but we are still very much influenced by, do something safe, get a great job. Also, because our parents are post-World War babies, you know, so it was all about securities and that's what they wanted for us as well. So most of us don't have an upbringing that is necessarily encouraging towards doing something that's unpredictable, which entrepreneurship is. However you turn it, it's always, it can be a little bit predictable, but it's different. You know, it's not as clear cut as a regular office career, for example, or corporate career. And so I think that is the first thing. If you do take the courage to go against that stream, you have a personal kind of responsibility or pressure that you put yourself under because it has to work, right? Because you were stubborn enough to do this. You might even have people saying, I admire you for your courage. So who are you now to crawl back to a regular job? So I think there's a lot of pride and ego involved. And then the other huge part is that don't forget that you have people selling in the online marketing world all the time and they sell through their own success stories and through their client success stories. So you are bombarded by success stories around you all the time. And even when they talk about failure, it's not really failure. I learned that much about it. You know, <laughs> you know the people who really failed and never got up and quit, we don't hear from them. Very rarely. So even the failures of successful people are kind of not really failures in a way most of the time. Or, you know, so I think that's also one reason why imposter syndrome can be or this whole mindset. You have to have a strong mindset game in this place because it can be very easy to feel you're lacking something because everyone else is succeeding when that's not necessarily true, but it's the only thing you see. Well, that is a challenge because it's that perception that everybody's got it. It's like rose-tinted glasses to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Because you have that perception of, if I use the platform Instagram for these, you want to be able to, to, to exemplify this, is the fitness space. Of, <laughs> or we use fitness, male or females on that platform, is the, the esteem of... of I'm going to say loosely perfection. I would say they have insecurities as well because they're not willing to be open with their audience or or the platform to share, you know, the 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 challenges, the downsides. I I admire the ones that are honest of saying I go to a photo shoot once a year and I use the content 365 days a year. Obviously if it's a leap year, obviously I add an extra year to that. Those people are honest because it's like I'm I'm showcasing the good, but my content's going to show you that it's going to unveil uh, the real the reality of that. And I think what my audience obviously tells me I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not making this up anymore. It's they're, they're <laughs> telling me for a fact now, and it'd be an email, text, uh, 
messages of we admire this about you because you we're willing to become vulnerable but this is an aspect that i had to become comfortable with it because i think it's uh-huh. a tra- traditional viewpoint of you know what happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors and what is oh, private totally. is private so you and i come from a generation that facebook instagram obviously tiktok new on the on 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 the scene it's for people like 30 plus it's 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 alien we've been taught to no you don't you don't air your dirty laundry in public no don't share the the lows or i'm going to call them the low lights because that is deemed as okay my past life as an athlete that's the weakness so it can be used against you so i've had to reach deep inside me and kind of go well how do i um narrow the chasm between myself and my my niche because for whatever reason they would put me on a pedestal because of what i'd achieved in 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 my sporting life i was like well i don't know how you can't relate we're we're okay now i work specifically within within the amputee community with physically we're the same but obviously mentally i had you could say a get up and go attitude of I wanted to represent my country. How do I get there? No idea, but let's go out and find out. <laughs> uh, I had, I had my fam- my mother was very supportive, so it was. I've probably already been in the entrepreneurial space because that's a very risky thing to get into. Yes, professional sports of. If I just say the able-bodied, I think it's less than one percent chance of success rate. That is crazy in terms of you <laughs> to go into that space of. The likelihood of you making it is 99%, which obviously within science, that's bang on perfect, that you're not going to succeed. But how many people at a young age in Europe or the US step into a specific sport? I want to be a professional, or we use football, um, because uh, in Europe, want to go into play for Manchester United. Real Madrid, Barcelona, you know, the big, the Juventus, the biggest clubs in Europe, how many start at the very bottom of the pipe? I will reverse the pipeline for this one. At the very top and actually make it to the very top and make it into the first time. It's probably very minuscule. But for the boys and the girls, I'm not going to single them out, that's their dream. It probably a little bit easier being disabled because the, the, pool, the pool is a little bit smaller. But in terms of, for me, it was, okay, I didn't take things for face value, be it a coach said you started too late. Okay, whatever. I've start, I have didn't start, I started swimming at 11, which is which is relatively late. I'll, I'll attest to that at 35 now. That's true. <laughs> I didn't take him, I didn't take, it's like, okay, that's your. Your opinion, let me show you. That's plan A. I'm going to show you plan B. And obviously this story, long story short, he did after dinner speeches about what, what, what obviously my mum went out of a way to, to what well, I was embarrassed at the time at 15, go down to the bottom of bleachers and shout out. That was cringe for me. It's not so much now. It's, it's, it's quite inspiring <laughs> to kind of go, that's stepping outside your comfort zone. Because to, mm. to, I don't know how many people were in, this, in the spectators there, say 500 people one person to do that and obviously people were stopping the tracks well why is that person doing that and for me it's it's to kind of ride on those coattails of okay and i've spoken to mum about this probably more recently it's like well you had the courage to do this Mm -hmm. once i'd made it i owe it to my family i owe it to to my obviously ultimately myself to to give it everything that I've got, and I think my grandmother was the probably the precursor to that. She never got to see it. Obviously, she she died uh, before I started that career. But I, we're not that religious. But occasionally, I will look up to up to the sky and kind of go, yeah. "Here you go, I've I've made it." You had the belief in me. Obviously, now I need to obviously deliver, but that's quite risky i did have and i can ultimately open ultimate openly admit this my aunt and uncle were not so 
as much supportive but once they saw the hard work yeah once i'd made it i didn't make it in swimming that long uh, i got dropped within two years from the national program that was a setback but obviously i'm I'm here to, i'm here to, to tell the story but once they saw once i made it into the gb rowing program and they saw it for themselves i was training 30 hours a week which is pretty much a full-on job mm-hmm. they kind of go okay we can kind of see we can respect it equates to right. respect yeah. i don't know fully yeah. if they've ever would say openly admit that but oh, yeah, they kind of equate okay you putting in 30 hours of blood, sweat, and tears is equitable to somebody working nine to five. And most mm-hmm. people don't enjoy their nine to five jobs. I, for the most part of it, if you ask me what was that four years of my life like, I'd probably go back and do it again. What? The other sports I did, maybe not so much. There's interesting aspects of training that uh, more testing based. Yeah. You can leave. You can keep that. I don't want to particularly leave that. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but that in itself is a probably high probability of risk for little reward. And I think with people being outspoken about their governing bodies, documentaries, be it like, uh, oh, what's the one that's on Netflix? Icarus with with doping within within the Russian one, uh, the one bringing out the scandal with the U.S. gymnastics. It kind of shows a darker side to sport that it. I know as an as a mature adult now, it's a business. It's it's, yeah. it's not the the sole purpose is not about the athlete and what sport is at the very core of it. When you start, is you got to be you got to love it. You got to be passionate about it because otherwise you wouldn't do it to pretty much if we go all the, the other end of the spectrum it, it's a, if we look at football it's a billion dollar industry if not more than that based yeah. on television etc pr uh the, the 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 players themselves are assets of course yes no absolutely i agree okay so for you, you and we come back to the imposter syndrome do you think it's very much an evolution with an individual? Because obviously there's going to be, if we throw out words like sabotage, you're, you're going to deem that, mm-hmm. if I use personal experience, you have a success for months, successful quarter, you put it down to fluke, luck, oh, there's <laughs> no way I can repeat this, and you don't actually own yeah the, the hard work and success you kind of go well no, i don't think i it pretty much is the, the self-sabotage and the undoing and self self i could call it self-saboteur syndrome setting in do you think it, it's an evolution from the very beginnings and think once you come comfortable with being well this is me i'm an entrepreneur to being obviously there's a big difference between entrepreneur and CEO of a company yeah and that's something we can obviously discuss uh, because that's a mindset shift in itself because it's it's going to okay this is a big company now not just me yeah I think there's an evolution of awareness for sure um and it is a journey of imposter syndrome and as I said I think it's the the thoughts are or the basic thoughts, the saboteurs, I think are staying the same. I honestly think they come from a deep place of fear inside that of all of us. And it's always the basics, but I think you deal with them differently. Whereas in the beginning, you might let them dominate you or you believe them and you give up later, the more you try. And also because most entrepreneurs that I know and also successful CEOs, have mentors they don't do it on their own they have coaches they have mentors and those people help you you know they make you aware because you obviously tell them these things and they actually let you know what imposter syndrome is in the first place they will probably even teach you what self-sabotage is most of us on you're not taught in school what that means you don't even you don't even get taught what mindset is you don't even get taught what personal development is in school well, you're not so, supposed to, you're not supposed to but that's obviously a different debate in terms of well over here subject. definitely not a subject so 
I mean, that is why I think, you know, as you are progressing in that journey, you hear more about it, you deal more with it, and you get taught to handle it. It's a skill that you're basically being trained in, I feel. And then, yes, an entrepreneur and a CEO, it's really interesting because I'm obviously the entrepreneur and my my partner is a CEO in a big company. So it's it's interesting for us to f- compare sometimes. And I hear him venting about things and I hear myself. But the biggest difference is also because I consciously chose to always stay a solopreneur because I never want to be in a situation where I have to think not just a downline, but also about the people above me, you know, the board, et cetera, et cetera. Those are things that pressure I don't think I could handle very well. I don't mind being on my own and answering to myself, even though that is very uncomfortable from time to time. But it's something that I think you need to know as well, you know, and own own it, that that is your character trait. And it's funny as well, because I don't consider myself a team player, for example, at all. I can do it very well for short periods for a little project. I'm not. I like to do things on my own. I like to, okay, plan it. I get really nervous when I have to wait or when it's not quite happening the way I want to. So I don't even think I'm necessarily a leader. I could never like team lead in a company. I wouldn't be good at that, you know? So, and even before when I was a teacher, you basically rule your classroom. You decide how you teach, what you teach, when you teach. So it's, I've always been more of a solo person in that way, you know? So it, wouldn't work differently you know even if I'm considering when people ask would you ever consider going back to your full-time job never um first of all because I like my freedom of time but also I would find it very difficult to stay in a fixed structure now so yeah so what kind of title would you give yourself in terms of your business perspective owner director or would you not label I change all the time but it's kind of owner and it's definitely one that I I like to use and usually if you just say entrepreneur people don't ask further questions yes I'm also the CEO of my own business but it's not quite what we do right like because it's I do have my team of freelancers but it's not the same so yeah (laughs) owner and founder maybe well, it, it, it is a challenging one and, and and why I asked you that question Christine is, is I watched um, I can't remember the person's name so I'm going to apologise to him off the bat because if, if he finds it I'll apologise but in terms of he did a, a shift mentally uh, of going from being an entrepreneur to obviously saying he was a CEO of a six seven figure company it wasn't true so this is obviously where I'm coming with from the imposter syndrome. He created a a narrative or story that obviously it, it sounds nice to other people. Oh, you run a six seven figure, fit. and you wouldn't work with the market. You probably I get bombarded with things like that. So I don't take any notice when I get messages like that. Oh, we can make you a six seven figure. It's like oh yeah, no, if you've got no experience yourself. It's highly, un- highly unlikely that's going to happen for me. Okay, there's going to be the few diamonds in the rough that that might happen to. I'd say that's probably luck or fluke more than anything else. But I think once you've been in the the game long enough, you can kind of you can see, through, to see it through the, fl- the fluff. What uh, you know, pre-COVID would have been, you know, working from the beach. Now I know that's <laughs> to, that's that's okay. You might be in Thailand. You might be, well, generally speaking, it is Thailand. But you need to have money to get out there in the first place because yeah. it's not it's not it's not cheap to to get a flight to out just get the, there to the um. Far East. It might be relatively uh, more reasonable, and this is obviously before everything started to, to spiral and get get higher everywhere else in the world. Yes, it's cheaper to live there, but you've got to get there in the first place. And this illusion of having the freedom to live from the comfort of what's called the sun, the sun lounger doesn't exist. The person probably still behind the computer, so they might as well, okay, they might be a little bit happier because of the climate's better. Um, as we're recording, this is May, so it's getting better in Northern Europe, but in terms of you you could still have the same pressures that you would do in in mainland Europe of 
of you know if if the pipeline's not uh, as successful uh, as you'd like they're still going to mm-hmm. be the same person but on top of that you're not you've not got the i'm gonna call them home comforts be it you know family support being possibly around the corner you you're gonna have to potentially come back with your tail between your legs if it doesn't work out and yeah people are gonna, sure. gonna be haters waiting for that oh, oh yeah i told you i told you it wouldn't work out. maybe and maybe not but you only think about the scenario where they are ready to tear you down yes it's kind of a habit of ours you know so i agree with you yeah 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 absolutely but it, but it is a it's is a it's a challenge in, I think in itself because if you're looking external it's almost like external gratification or, or dopamine hit of from from a from a negative thing uh, not negative a positive thing be it whatever it be it food sex drugs money etc you're looking for that next magical thing to step it's, it's, it's more prominent probably in the entrepreneurial space of oh, i need that next new flashy yeah. thing. i need a funnel i need uh, and that can become whatever. a trap like as you say it's this hit and oh now i'm excited again you know and that also calms down though i feel like after being in in business for a few years you just calm down in general i find it's like okay well it's trying to find that next not i'll say a buzz but next fast cash i know gary v slams it a lot it's, yeah, slam, slams it a lot and say oh you got to be in it for the long run so he's telling like these 20 year olds just calm just calm down you got all yes. your life it's like well it, it i'm gonna I, i'm I, i'm gonna bash him a little bit on this one but obviously it won't hurt him but it's all well and good for a company that he's got multiple g- gainer x Vayner, Vayner X, Vayner Sports, massive big teams. He talks, the content goes out because he's got a team buying him. But for everybody else starting out, it's not as so easy. No. That. It's, it's, you've got to be the video editor. You've got to be, okay, camera's not so difficult now with all the live stuff. You've got to have all these multiple hats. I quite enjoy it. So it's, it, it's, it's, that's my creative side. I've stepped away from, and I was actually talking to somebody about Facebook. He's a author, painter, and I was talking about my days in high school. I've I picked up a, a pad and a pencil during lockdown and, and and did a bit. I haven't touched it since, and that's two <laughs> years ago. But before that, it was not since I was eighteen, nineteen years old. So that's as close as I'm going to get to to probably art is to be able to create something of obviously entertainment because that's what people crave because they haven't got this is fact they haven't got attention spans be it instagram tiktok is showing that youtube is obviously trying to go the opposite direction and and what was i watching an austrian creator uh, on youtube he's like hopefully for the sanity of the the planet people cr- consume long form content yeah, that's happening again, though. I mean, TikTok has just changed its algorithm that they promote now three-minute videos, that they're upping it to five-minute videos, and they're soon going to have eight-minute videos because they actually that's still try not a to lot compared go to back. Say, it's not, not like compared to something YouTube. Maybe but seeing that they started with 60 seconds, you know, it's quite a change. So I feel it's interesting, that whole trend. What was well, it? it's the same with Instagram, similar with... I've got to I've got to credit YouTube for this because I didn't know the the creator studio in Facebook even existed for Instagram until last week. Um, <laughs> so, so I was like, "Well, where's this been? I know it I knew it existed for Facebook. It's like, where's this thing been hiding? Because this makes this is for 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 entrepreneurs is a game changer. Because if you don't have to get on your phone or or yeah. go from your create the computer the, the stuff on your computer and then obviously. Um, I've got incompatibility because I've got a Mac and I've got an Android phone, so they don't even, they wouldn't even communicate <laughs> with each other. So um, that that's obviously the the Apple user probably have a great delight in me saying that. Um, but 
to be able to do it straight from your computer, upload. The, the aspect that I liked about it is you could schedule it. Um, didn't quite work with me, but hey, that's not the end of the world. And then look at your analytics yeah, on the computer. Sure. So it's like, okay, I don't even have to use my phone nowadays. I can just use my phone for what it used to be when I was a teenager, text call, <laughs> maybe do a little bit of work if I'm not in the house, um, which was the case yesterday. Uh, I could still answer me- emails, Facebook messages, uh, and social media things on the fly. So I think it, it, it is like you say, the, the self-sabotage and the, uh, the imposter syndrome is, is an evolution. I think you never quite get away from it. And, and what, I think is is interesting from you specifically is you talk about the blind side of uh, uh, giving the the entrepreneur or business owners awareness to something that they might not see. Obviously, it's a it's also a movie blind side, and in American football, that I think it's after the quarterback is the highest paid player on the on the team. Oh, interesting. So so that it, it protects the. It's generally speaking, is the left tackle, so it protects their blind, so they don't get smacked in the. F- so, so, it's, so it's not a career-ending injury, because uh, it actually happened to which particular quarterback. It, it was one the, the the player in question that did the damage was. Um, oh, I've interviewed somebody as well. It's not. It's not here. It's the namesake, and I can't remember. Um, from the New York Giants, but they're the highest, the second highest player, player just for that, just to protect right. the persons. Uh, well, if the military, <laughs> they're six. But when you say blindside for specifically, would it be broader than self sabotage? Because mm, people don't yeah. know aware of those things. What what would be the 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 first thing that would come to mind so there's different elements to it obviously blind spots can be psychological blind spots but you mentioned you know like self-sabotage but it can also be in a business structure you know that actually you could structure your service completely different and it would much make much more sense you could make it that much more efficient you could streamline here and streamline there so that's what I mean by blind spot as well very often when I see people telling me their idea it's just like I can simplify it very quickly and I think that's what everyone enjoys is just everything simplified. Oh, no, I like to make things difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I like to make things... Di- no, but I like to learn it myself. I like I like to get down and dirty and get into the trenches uh, and, and then make a decision as, okay, I really don't like this. Yeah. I want to give it to somebody else that obviously... I think you first have to go through everything, of, of course, you know what to do, but then, you know, also just be efficient in what you're doing. Well, I think technology has definitely got better because mm-hmm. I'd hit the ground running in May especially and was like, okay, I'm looking at this. Uh, the business coaches I've got, they were doing about... Objection handling, but they didn't actually talk about, you know, like scripts will tell you. Yeah, you can't you can't go into a script with a person because if they give you a, a, I don't resort to. I used to at the very beginning. I'll be honest uh, with with the audience because somebody's going to throw you a curveball. Okay, where is it on this script? Oh no 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 no! And you don't actually listen to the to to to, to the lead the the prospect or ultimately could be a client because you're not actually intently engaged with that conversation because you're just thinking about oh what's the next question I need to ask you mm-hmm. um, this is one aspect that I like the podcast because it's 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 off the cuff uh I've got better at it over the years of uh, I had a particular guest say to me why didn't you pick me pick me up on or critique me on what I had to say I didn't feel this is imposter syndrome this is obviously five six years ago because I didn't feel comfortable and you were the per se expert in that field. I'm not going to question you. <laughs> Obviously now, fast forward five, six years ago, yeah. I, I've developed, I've learned through having conversations. People want to hear debate, I won't say debate for, 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 for debate's sake, but if we don't agree on something, that's, a good, that's a good thing sometimes. If I you agree. agree, that's that that's... 
might not be okay with somebody listening because they might have a different point of view. That's that's good as well because if you have mm-hmm. a, a third point of view, that's that's what what uni- what what university teaches you because it's, it's critical thinking. It's it's is here's the hypothesis. This is the information. Now it's either to discredit it or to prove it right, and no. then a year's time you might not even believe in that ideology whatsoever and that's okay that's okay i agree <laughs> but the, but the challenge with that and you talked about blindside from i i no problem from that is the the aspect of the blindside when people aren't aware i'd i'd brought up the psychological but the the one where you talk about the more so the business is an interesting one but obviously we're gonna to have to touch that maybe another time or sometime in the future for for a part two so i like to ask all my guests this as a wrap-up question uh the prelude to to the final one is if you got to, as a as a coach one so this is slightly different than most of the the episodes yeah if you got to sit down with any coach dead or alive for that matter who would that be and why you know what? Actually, it would be my coach that I've been working with on and off for years. Um, I don't really have a coach, dead or alive, that I'm, what do you call them? Like, not just admire, but that I'm fangirling over. But I really trust my coach that I always go back to and that helps me out. So if I can sit down with someone, it would be her. <laughs> well, that's honest. And my final question before we sign off is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Oh, God. We talked about so many different things. It's not easy, is it? I think what we talked about a lot, though, is that imposter syndrome or self-sabotage, however you want to call it, is is a journey just like your journey and that it's kind of walking linearly with that and you from it dominating you you become aware of it to you use it into something productive so once again christine thanks again for coming on the mindset athlete podcast thank you so much for having me it was an absolute blast and i learned a lot (laughs) the pleasure was absolutely mine thanks again for tuning in And I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hart. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.